Today's show is brought to you by Skillshare.com. At Skillshare.com, they have thousands of classes available, not just simply about business or job hunting, but lots of different classes on a host of different subjects, almost anything you can think of, and they have one low price associated with your learning. They have classes about particular technologies you can learn, pottery, public speaking. I have a half dozen of my classes about job hunting there, writing, photography, film, almost anything you can think of, they have Skillshare classes available. Now, if you use my link, thebiggamehunter.us forward slash Skillshare, they'll offer a free trial and 30% off if you decide to join. There's a lot to learn, and Skillshare is a place where you can learn it. Now, let's get back to today's show. Episode 2135 of No BS Job Search Advice Radio. I'm Jeff Alton, the Big Game Hunter, and welcome. I did Career Coach Office Hours on Friday. I'm releasing it here in podcast form because I want to make sure that all of you have a chance to participate and ask your questions. And if I don't get to them too, let's try that again. If I'm not able to get to them during the week, I want to make sure I cover it uh, in the podcast. So I've got a bunch of questions I'm going to answer. I also explain how you can send me a question. I hope you find the show helpful and I'll get my mouth working one of these minutes. And we'll be back in just one moment. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What I do is I receive questions from people all the time, and I can't get to all of them during the week. So what I've done is set up a Friday morning, approximately 9 a.m. session where I try and answer the questions I haven't gotten to. If you have a question for me, email me at thebiggamehunter at gmail.com. And in the subject line, Put the words office hours so I know what it's about. And I'll try and get to it before then. But at worst, I'm going to cover it on Friday morning. Okay. So I've got a number of questions I receive from folks. And the first one is, I love this one. Do employers really check your voting records during a hiring process? Also, do employers ask who you vote for or your political affiliation? How would you respond? Well, they can't check your voting records other than to see if you are registered to vote. And they might be able to see what political party you're uh, associated with. But that involves time. And given the number of people that they're considering for a job, they don't have the time to do that. So I don't think you should worry about that one. However, when we go to the other ones, Do employers ask who you vote for or your political affiliation and how you would respond? No, they tend not to do that. 
Every once in a while, there's a lunatic firm that will ask that question. They'll go onto your social media to check out the nature of your posts and whether you advocate for one side or another and how you conduct yourself. But this was the question about how would you respond? And the way I would respond is by saying, hmm, last time I noticed the idea of the secret ballot exists in the United States. So whether I'm Democrat or Republican or independent for that matter, I don't think this is an appropriate question. I do believe that if you want to pursue this, it could be embarrassing because, well, let's just leave it at that. Uh, but the idea becomes it's none of their effing business what party you're affiliated with and who you voted for. And if you want to advocate for one side, remember, you're risking offending the other. That doesn't really serve you. Next question. Why is it difficult to get a job for IT people once they have more than 15 years of experience? Now, this is a layered question, and my own background was doing technology recruiting. So I have a perspective on this that comes from real-world experience. Now, many of you would think it's an ageism question, but it really isn't. Uh, most of it really relates to, number one, most organizations are structured as pyramids. And thus, the higher you get in the pyramid, the fewer positions that are available to you. Often, people who become more senior don't really keep their skills up to speed. And as a result, the more senior you are, the more experienced you are, the more you let them atrophy. Now, again, a lot more positions for developers and there are people who manage developers, right? So the issue is primarily around stale skills and how many managers they really need to run such a function. So I remember when I was early in recruiting, I would ask, question my coworkers who were more experienced, what happens to people when they turn 40? I don't see anyone. Now it's older than that, but still, you know, people start to disappear. Sometimes they become contractors and they go that route. Sometimes they start their own businesses and sometimes they lose their careers. That's all part of the process. But one of the ways to avoid losing your career is number one, take care of yourself physically. And number two is to keep your skills up to speed. I talk about taking care of yourself physically because appearance matters on interviews, right? You know, if, if you come in slovenly, um, you know, your clothing doesn't fit you right. That's not normal. Uh, and firms connect with that and they don't want to put their people in front of someone like that. So the big thing is really about keeping your skills up to speed, which a lot of people start getting sloppy about. When applying for jobs on Facebook, should I attach a resume or is it okay if I don't? I went back to check on Facebook uh, about how the application process works. And if you're not familiar with it, Facebook has a jobs area. It's not generally for very senior positions. It tends to be for, well, it's a, a pretty broad array. Like I saw customer service jobs. I saw creatives jobs uh, there. Um, and it tends to zero in on your area because it tends to pick up on the IP address and it's 
I'll play some origin. So it'll look for things within a radius of your current residence. And when I click through to apply for something, I did this with two jobs. It pulled something that for a moment I thought was my LinkedIn profile, but it was probably my bio on Facebook that I was going to submit. And I didn't see a place where I could upload a resume. So just make sure your profile on Facebook is accurate as a representation of you and your experience. And no, you wouldn't have to be able to upload your resume. Um, next question. What specific and general mistakes should you prepare for to avoid during a virtual interview? How do you make your skills, experience, education, and temperament stand as a good fit with a potential employer during the virtual interview? I'm going to skip the first question because I have a ton of videos on YouTube related to that. But the second one is really important. How do you make your skills, experience, education, and temperament stand as a good fit with the potential employer? Now, I'm going to pull out temperament there for a second and address that first, and then I'm going to come to the others. With temperament, you want to notice the behavioral characteristics of your interviewer. You may want to, uh, well, you're not seeing anyone there, but are they gregarious? Do they have a big personality? Things along those lines. Are they controlling? You know, like what's the behavior like that they're expressing during the interview? That's going to give you a cue as to whether or not uh, you know, how to conduct yourself. I'm going to go simpler now. Introvert, extrovert. Do they seem introverted? So for those people, you want to present yourself as more informational and analytical. Extroverted, your personality has to come out. And thus, in connecting with people, you kind of want to mimic their behavior. Now, as for mistakes, uh, I'm sorry, for, um, as the skills, experience, education, that will allow you to connect with the interviewer and show that you're a good fit. I always tell people something very simple. If you have a job description, if you've seen an ad, it's probably about 80% accurate. And thus, the most important thing you can do is start the interview off with this question. So let's say you're connecting on camera, you know, you're waiting for them. They're not waiting for you to come online. So get there a few minutes early so they get the notification that you're waiting for them. And then from there, when they connect, uh, hi, nice to meet you, they'll proudly say. Nice to meet you as well. I just want to ask you a quick question before you started the interview. And they'll say, sure. What's the question? You know, I recall the position description. That's from an ad. Or... The person who referred you, you refer to them by name, uh, John the recruiter, or you know my friend so and so, uh, who referred me for this position. Give me a synopsis of the role, but I want to get your take on it. Could you tell me about the job as you see it and what I can do to help? Now again, job descriptions are not always accurate, and even if they were at the time that they were approved by corporate by HR. The real thing is, by the time you talk to them, it may have evolved in their mind. And no one ever goes back to change them. So you want to get their current thinking about the job at the beginning of the interview. So you can talk about what you've done, talk about what you've done that matters to them, and not just talk about what you've done. 
Big difference between those two. And you want to evolve your stories. You did prepare a couple of stories in advance of the interview to talk with them about, right? So that in this way, you're able to uh, make the fit obvious to them, that you've done certain things that relate to what they're looking for, so that you're connecting the dots for them quickly. So that's the big way to connect with the interviewers. Let them know immediately. Well, number one, find out what the role is and make sure all your answers demonstrate how you've done something similar to what they're looking for. Next question. Oh, yeah, I remember this one. What value does HR serve when interviewing applicants? Don't the hiring managers ultimately choose who to hire? Yes, they do ultimately choose. But HR has a huge role. Number one is most of the time they're there as a screen. By that, I mean they're there to filter out people who obviously don't fit. They want to get a sense of behavioral characteristics, personality, how long and how recently someone's done something based upon, I'm going to call it the job description, but it's really about the interview that they did with the hiring manager who gives them a real idea of what they're looking for. As a result, their job is to filter. And in filtering, they save time. Now, that's on the negative side for you. They filter out. But also, they can be a sales tool for the organization, selling people, selling you on an opportunity. They can also become an advocate comes offer time for positions, benefits, titles, things along those lines, uh, relocation if that's part of what's, being, uh, what's going to be necessary to get someone on board. They're an influencing person. They're an advocate. And your first job is to make everyone you meet with fall in love. No love, you're not going to get hired. But their first thing in the first conversation is to filter out people who obviously don't fit and move people on the conveyor belt to the next person or people who are going to be there to evaluate. You always want to create a great impression with HR. I know a lot of people will say, hey, they're unimportant, but they, that's not true. You know, if, if you're asking for more money than what the hiring manager may want to offer, and they're there to advocate for you if they believe you're worth it, if you've treated them properly. So don't hesitate to sell to them so that in this way you have a backer in your corner. Last question for today. What do recruiters just get that job seekers don't? Wow. Um, this one I'm not completely prepared for. So this is an instinctive answer. And my answer is job search is a rigged game. It's rigged against the job hunter. Now, everyone is, I, I normally say everyone lies during job hunting. You're exaggerating your capabilities. Employers are exaggerating how wonderful the opportunity is. And the third-party recruiter who may have scheduled the interview, well, they're the messenger of the lies. So they're advocating in both directions to try and make the deal and earn the commission. And those are the good recruiters. Some are just outright lying in order to try and earn a commission. But the real thing is, 
It's a game where everyone else has information and you don't. And thus, you're operating with a lot of fantasy ideas about what's going on. And people aren't really communicating all the time. And even if you're working with a third-party recruiter, they're trying to manage the situation. Like their client may not be getting back to them. And then they have to keep you on the hook in case the client comes back two weeks later uh, and says, we want to make her an offer. And now they have to go close the deal. So if they tell you, eh, they're not getting back to me, that lets you down. And then if they were to try and call you, you might not be all that interested. But they can say, you know, you did great. You did great. And I know they have a couple more people to talk to. I expect they'll be in touch with you. And they may sometimes make up when it is they're going to hear back. Sometimes they'll tell you the truth. But their job is to manage both sides of the deal to try and make the marriage between everyone. And thus, job search is a rigged game with you being the outsider. They're not, no one is completely trustworthy in job search. And thus, you have to be aware that on the corporate side, on the third-party recruiter side, they're looking out for their interests. You have to look out for yours too. So that's the end of office hours for today. I just want to check one thing before I bring this to a close. Bear with me. Yeah. Okay. So this is the end of office hours for today. So that's today's show. I hope you found it helpful. And if you did, here are a few things I can do to help you with your job search beyond simply being your coach. First of all, I've got a new book out called The Right Answers to Tough Interview Questions. It is like a cookbook with answers to tons of interview questions that you're going to be asked on interviews. And if you pair it up with my other new book, The Ultimate Job Interview Framework, they are a a terrific pair of books to help you with interviewing. In addition to a new service where you can practice mock interviews, if you go to thebiggamehunter.us forward slash mock, I've got a service there, very inexpensive, like $99, where we have mock interviews set up. I'm going to be adding more to it very soon, but you can record your answers to them And then I can critique them and help you perform better on them. You probably have noticed my show notes are pretty thorough with products and services that can help you with your search. And connect with me on LinkedIn at linkedin.com forward slash IN forward slash the big game hunter. Lastly, my website has a ton of great information. That's thebiggamehunter.us. Now, if you're not ready to go there and Go through the blog, put the address in your phone, thebiggamehunter.us, Jeff Altman. So this way, when you're ready to go, you have a way of getting back to my website. Hope you have a terrific day, and most importantly, be great!